Hello, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. Here on the cast, we discuss everything emotions through the lens of attachment, the nervous system, and internal parts work. We're a little irreverent and like to have fun exploring the emotional issues and dynamics that interest us. So come along and hang out. Let's explore the fascinating lands of emotions. Welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. I'm Angela Wetzel. And I'm Nick Carl. And Angela Wetzel is found on Instagram, Epic Initiator. And I wrote down a note this time about what she does. She's a certified professional coach and a deeper dating mentor, former U.S. Army sergeant, actor, comedian, writer, daughter, sister, friend, bereaved dog mom, and a really cool lady, Angela Wetzel. That's what she does. And I... I wrote a note for me too. Autodidact, self-taught. I'm just nerd, nerd galore, nerd across the board. That's who I am. Interested, curious, and that's us. We are the So Emotional Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming, Angela. It's nice to see you. Pleasure to be here. All right. We uh, picked out some topics, things that we've been kicking around this week, and uh, one that we got into was the. Uh, uh, we, we talked a little bit about addiction last week. We talked about uh, substance. We talked a little about marijuana. And this week we we're going to talk about sex and love addiction. And it was from some of our conversations last week where yeah. I started to contextualize my own relationship between addiction, which was, uh, you know, we talked about it as a term of, when you don't have enough good things going in your life, enough love or enough joy that's like circulating in your being, you will find a thing that has some of those qualities to bring it with you or yeah. bring it close to you so that you can experience these things. You can feel good. Actually. You can feel good. good now, so awful. the tricky thing is, was that, you know, you have the very natural drives of sexuality, right? But in parsing these things, because, I don't know, like, I told you this before, but I'll say it again. Uh, it was something that I had said to myself a few times during, like, sort of sexual encounters, where it's, it's, it's kind of funny, because now that I've, like, I've gone in reverse and, like, thought about instances in my life that I have these little aha moments, but they're so, like, out of context that, that they don't make sense to me, but they make sense to me now. And I had said myself to some, I had said to myself regarding, uh, it was just, like, a particular sexual encounter, and I can't remember which one it was, but it was, that it made me feel like a real boy, okay? And, uh, and so, uh, I don't know. So, w what I was fulfilling there is not necessarily, you know, that like aha, like settle into moment. It's not about like I got my physical needs met, right? So, it wasn't about the drive or the sexual drive that got me there. It was about being seen and felt and like taken care of, which is like a heart based, connection based, which is something we mentioned last time too, that connection is as important as breathing right and so i don't know there's just this strange overlap 
between the physical drives, which we all kind of think that are healthy and good, right, that are intermixed, like interwoven with these other drives that we, I, I, you know, I think that it, it, I think it goes without saying that across the board, everybody thinks like, oh, you have sexual drives and everybody knows that and it's sort of accepted, right? Mm -hmm. What I don't think that is sort of as accepted as sexual drives is the need for connection, right? Which I, which I think in my personal experience is primary to a sexual fulfillment. Right. Um, what do you think so about that? Call that um, being like demisexual, demisexual, that that's like a term. So if you need emotional connection in order to have sex, then there's a definition around that, which I find that to be really interesting because neuroscience says that every single decision that we make is actually emotional on some level. Mm. So it seems weird to me to, to classify people separately if they need an emotional connection before sex. Um, but your comment about like being a real boy and what makes me think of Pinocchio, right? Like being real. And what was the name of the island? Was it, is it Pleasure Island or like Treasure yeah, Island? Uh, I think it was Pleasure Island, yeah. Pleasure Island, right? And then it was like, what happened to all the, the kids that like went to Pleasure Island? Did they like turn them into donkeys or something? Yes, they turned them into donkeys. Right, so like there was like a message there that like, if you get to Pleasure Island and you get involved in all this like debauchery and hedonism that you're gonna be turned into some kind of ass. Right. Because you are an ass, but um, Oh, anyway, so there's like so much shame and all kinds of things like layered into this topic because the sexual drives are so instinctive. Right. And the thing that you were touching on is like what you were really wanting was this validation of your own existence and to be seen and to be um, and to feel that like deeper connection. And I think so often when it comes to getting our wires crossed with with drives and um, versus like inspiration or like the thing that we really want is we can confuse the drive that can become sort of a means um, and thinking that if we achieve that, then we're winning and that we get the thing that we want. But what we're really after is so much deeper, like it's emotional. Right. right. And so a lot of people will continue to chase the drives, the, the feeling, the, um, what is it? Like, um, what do we say in society? It's, uh, it's like the, the quick fix or the, the, um, instant gratification. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we chase the instant gratification thinking if I get that thing, then I'm going to get the feeling, but we'll really want the right. feeling. And then, it makes me think about this was a few years ago, but it was a relationship I was in. And so uh, sex begins, you know, there's like the sexual dynamic or, uh, part of it. And that was that was really that was really good, you know. And so I I thought to myself, like at the time, like this is great. Our connection in this way is fantastic and it just like works, you know. But <laughs> for me, what ended up happening is that like the like the reality of the situation begins to set in right as the you know it's like 
oh, here we're, we're having sex. This is good. Good things are happening. But that, but that like sheen starts to sort of fall away. And the thing that starts to happen, that began to happen in me, was that I began to solidify. Like I just began to close. Like it was slowly at first, but it just it happened like gradually. So it's like, here's the thing I thought that I wanted, like was a relationship with somebody. We can like share all these nice body things. And yeah, that was great, right? But the actual... But the actual thing that I was actually after, which is sort of like intimacy or to, to, to be seen, I didn't have a good relationship with how to actually do that, right? I didn't know how to sort of approach that. And so, it, like, at the time of that particular relationship, that whole dimension of my life seemed to be closed down. Like, it was just off to the side. Like, it existed. It wanted to be known, but, like, I just was not connected to it at all. Can I ask you a question? Sure. So the relationship started and it was like, there was lots of good sex and stuff happening. Right. And then what caused the like shutting down part for the... I can't say that it was one thing. Uh, there was like a normal progression to the relationship, which is like, uh, you know, okay, you're going to date, you're like, you have your own places, you know, but I think, I honestly think that really was kind of like, it was time for it to progress. Like it lasted, uh, you know, like a couple of years and then it's time to like, well, you move in together or you get married or you just go to the next level. And that for me, I, I just know that <laughs> when that happened, it, in my mind, it became very black and white. Like the thing, again, it didn't make sense to me at the time, but like, uh, she wanted me to move into her house. I couldn't imagine where my stuff would go. Mm. It was just like, I, I didn't see a place for me, right? It was just like, I don't physically know, like I'm gonna be like segmented off to like some like corner closet in the basement or something, you know? Not that I was going to be integrated in to be like a real person in that place. It was that, I, this is just, you know, this is not like higher mind stuff, this is like something else. But like that I was going to be segmented to some part of the basement, right? And that I was going to be subjugated to that place. And I just like couldn't see it. I'm like, no, I just can't see that. I can't see myself in this world, right? And like, I still wanna go there. Like I, like I, this thing, this, this whole, this person in the situation I like, and I'm like headed over there now, you know? But like the idea of like taking it to like the next level, just like put the brakes on internally pretty hard. And from there, there was just, it was just a closure that begins to happen, you know? So I don't know how that works with the addictive process. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that can tie into it for sure because the, the seat of addiction, I believe, is really just our own inability to be able to accept the emotions that are and know how to just hold space for them and allow them to be. Right. And um, for so many of us, there, there just wasn't modeling around what to do with emotions. And so emotions become triggers, right. like feeling bad emotion, that's a trigger. And then it's like, oh shit, I'm feeling something horrible and I don't know what to do with it. And I'm just suffering. Right now, I just need something to feel good. Mm -hmm. And then once you find something that's a coping strategy that feels good, whatever that is, 
working too much, smoking weed, um, a glass of wine or two to take the edge off, blow, whatever it is. Sex, porn, right? You know, blow, all those things. Or or like lots of good sex with somebody you like, right? I mean, that could be a thing too. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I guess the thing that's confusing with between drives and like inspiration is when you have something that is like such a natural instinct or a natural drive, like humans were sexual beings, like from the moment we're born, like, you know, already sexual, already on a course of sexual development. And then, um, we can get sex confused with love or, you know, depending on people, um, that have had sexual trauma or sexual assault or sexual abuse early on, then um, the way that that person can understand love is, is only via sex. And so those wires get crossed there. And then um, it's like, what, what is love? I don't really know. I just identify with people through sex and, I think we had gotten on this topic because I had seen that movie called Thanks for Sharing. Right. It's about um, sex and, and love addicts. And of course, like addiction and, and sex addicts, like it's so stigmatized. Like um, people think that a sex addict is someone that just has to go around having sex with everyone all the time. And like, sure, cheating, um, having tons of sex, not being able to control that as part of it, but it, it can be porn addiction. Um, it can be having to like having sexual stimulus at all times and compulsory masturbation and things like that. Just like needing that, like your genitals, porn, all those things become like the safety net, right? like the way of feeling good. And then of course in society, when that gets out of control and you're starting to do things in public and it's affecting your job. And for anyone who wants to watch the movie, it is pretty good. And they, um, some of the characters spectacularly crash. What was, what was the name again? It's called thanks for sharing. Okay. It's and then really- another part of that movie that I know that we talked a little bit about was the strategies that they employed to deal with their addictive processes. Right. Yeah. Um, and so watching it, it was a little bit difficult for me because I wanted to like talk to them a little bit and be like, God, what are you doing? Um, because what I think is tempting to do is to say, I have this addiction or this, this thing. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep myself from doing that. So I'm going to insulate myself from the exposure of that addiction. Right. of sex addiction in the movie they're like um paying attention like where their eyes are like um mark ruffalo's character like he has tvs taken out of his room the cable removed he doesn't travel with a laptop he doesn't take the subway there's all these ways where he avoids the temptations but in that way it's like putting um it's like wrapping yourself in bubble wrap or having like bumper lanes on everything in life and you don't build your resilience, you don't build the muscle. And so the real skill set that he was needing, the muscle that that we all need to build is emotional resilience and to know how to to um 
kind of understand the process of like dealing with our own emotions because if we don't do that then it's like it's kind of like I think it's the same for everyone like you have good feelings you have bad feelings and if you get triggered around your bad feelings and try to push those away it causes more suffering right causes the need to reach out or distract or find a coping strategy because you've introduced suffering by by introducing resistance but that resistance comes from being afraid more than likely that you don't know what to do with this feeling or this feeling will swallow you or there's right. something very bad or something very wrong or shameful about feeling it right um and let me know if you want to interject, but I was thinking about this um, conversation I was having earlier today where, um, and, and we were talking about dry drunks. So you can avoid the object of addiction or the process of addiction all you want. And some people um, will swing to one side and like completely avoid, for example, um, Gosh, such a huge topic because I'm thinking of like where would sex addiction and like the stigma come from or where could it come from? It could come from like maybe a really strict religious or like Catholic upbringing or or, um, or someone seeing sex abused or misused in a way. And so they vow to never have sex or try to avoid it because there's like pain surrounding it or we're seeing um, our parents have relationships where um, knowing if like dad spend time, spends time with mom and then when she goes away, dad has a spiral and then suddenly we're no longer safe because dad is emotionally unsafe because he's spiraling. So there can be this like charge that occurs around the thing and in this case sex. And so when that child becomes an adult, there's a charge or an already a stigma or a judgment around sex being this thing that they don't have control over. Or if you have sex, it means you lose control or bad things happen. So I avoid sex completely to stay mm. safe, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like the same as just an alcoholic avoiding alcohol. And once you have your first taste of it, or you have sex for the first time, you can swing on the opposite end of the pendulum where you move from deprivation to complete, um, just inundation. Yeah. Just like swimming in it and, and forget that where you started was on the other side. And it's like, neither of these extremes are healthy extremes. Mm -hmm. One is avoidance out of fear and one is just kind of giving into it. And that can have negative consequences as well. Right. So it's learning to, to build those muscles by confronting those fears and learning that you are more powerful than that substance or than that addiction, that you're more powerful, that you do have control. And of course, you can involve like a higher power in order to like help get you through. But there is a part, I think that what's important is that we do cultivate this um, sense of agency or, or self-sovereignty and power around our own ability to manage and navigate our own emotions with confidence. So you mentioned uh, like a, a setup where 
a child could be exposed in a certain way, and and I can see that too, and I, I hadn't thought about that, that you could be predisposed at, at some young age and make some fundamental decision that you weren't going to dance in whatever avenue that it was going to be as a form of the bubble wrap around you to never touch the thing, which is precluding you from actually dealing with the deep emotional woundings that you have around that particular issue, right? Yeah, especially if you saw a parent suffer with that or you right. you suffered as a consequence of that parent being involved in it, right. it is a good potential. When I think about the term dry drunk, though, which I, th I think is, there, there could be ties into childhood, and I'm sure that there would be, but <clears throat> I think somebody could also just, to just white knuckle it, right? Just decide, sort of like I imagine Mark Ruffalo did, like, okay. I can use my adult brain to come up with strategies just to wrap myself in bubble wrap so that I just don't get yeah. exposed to that stimuli, right? Yeah, and he did. Really, he did. like five years. Right. Sobriety. So when I think about my own sort of journey back into emotions, it's it makes me think about kind of like how hard that could be for people because um, – I definitely have all my uh, a bouquet of addictions that I deal with, right? But that wasn't necessarily how I was introduced into emotions. But that um, kind of like I, I talked about that, like I was in a, a nice relationship, a nice sexual relationship. And then there was the, the emotional like heart thing on the other side that was just it was in a different dimension, right? And so I can imagine like Mark Ruffalo, the thing that is pushing him around is actually compelling him to act out through the addiction is in his heart is in his emotional place and then what is his relationship to that place so from my personal experience like i was com completely divorced right when i found my emotions it was like finding an ocean in my backyard it was like oh no fucking wonder why i'm bent out of shape you know it's like i got this motherfucking body of oh my god back here right and that blew my mind and so if like that's even just one example of how divorce you can be from the force that's actually compelling you right so that's where i think probably getting help from people who are in the know or, uh, or going to therapy you know to, to, i think that just the um just the fact of somebody being there with you in that space you know can help buffer you and like keep you grounded you know uh you know the last in within the last week i got into some pretty deep shame and deep emotional stuff and there was a couple of moments where I felt like eclipsed, you know, that like I couldn't handle it, you know, and I was sort of spinning. And I can imagine that in those moments, if somebody was there with me feeling those things that I could have like buffered that a lot better, you know. Mm -hmm. But it just makes me think about that space between, OK, here's Mark, uh, you know, insulating himself, trying to deal with the sex addiction. But then what is the space to that compulsion of his, you know, about how he comes into relationship with it. Cause I think it's probably a little bit different for everybody. Right. Right. In the movie, it seemed like his trigger was around abandonment. Hmm. And from there it was like, I think whatever those deep emotions, cause it's like, it, it is avoidance of those deeper emotions because usually they tie into like core wounds, like very deep traumas. Right. And, and whatever that, that was. And, um, so then he like spirals pretty hard. He starts like doing all the things. Um, and I'm sort of going blank. <laughs> but, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. So th to say core wounds, right? Is oh, like... I just remembered. Um, yeah. So what I was going to talk about was, um, <laughs> it just looked like <laughs> You're doing great, by the way. <laughs> I, I wanted to, uh, I remembered and then I forgot again, but it, it was, Oh, uh, it was co-regulation and self-regulation. That's what it okay. was. Yeah. Um, but the other thing about that movie, so what they showcased really well in that movie was the importance of co-regulation because they have mm. sponsors and like reaching out to the, right. like that was such a huge part of it, like reach out and get help. Cause right. I think that's, a, that can be a huge thing. Like, and it's important for everybody to like reach out when you're spinning or you find yourself in that place of shame. Right. They did that really well. They're like, get to a meeting. Like if you're in serious, if you have serious shit going on, 90 meetings in 90 days, you're going to meetings every day. If you're having like a crisis where you feel like you're going to spin out of control and you're going to do something like get to a meeting, right? You know where all the meetings are. Right. But the, the thing that I felt, that they didn't touch a lot a lot on was the self-regulation part and being able to manage those triggers and self-soothe mm. which is so huge when it comes to just being able to um have your own back in the absence of someone being able to be there for you right and also help you to navigate because it's like seldom it's less likely it's going to be this huge thing that happened that's going to trigger a, a relapse, but there can be really big things that happen, like fights yeah. within family, like big shameful moments, like failure, abandonment, breakups, all these things, of course, are really big. Yeah. But in the day-to-day, -day, it's like the little tiny things that happen that cause your energy to slowly start going down, down, down. Mm you're like down here and you're like how did i get down here and i'm feeling so awful and it's like oh yeah it was over the course of a day of over two days over a week all these things that i, I wasn't able to like check in and feel and and validate myself and self-soothe right yeah so one of the things i've been doing lately is uh i drive in the truck a lot and i will look at myself in the mirror right and there's like a new energy of like there's a calmness in my own eyes that I can identify with. So like I'm connecting with myself then, you know, and trying to feel those things. But it's, a, it's I think it's uh, and I think that you would agree that it's a whole uh, it's a whole process to to learn how to show up and to be with yourself. Right. And to connect with yourself and to show up for yourself and to feel yourself too right mm -hmm. yeah so and i i like that i i i do think that reaching out to and co-regulating you know so it's like uh you're not alone you know being alone is terrifying right it can be very terrifying especially when big things come up and can be really hard to deal with even as adults right absolutely and so in those times, and I've done that plenty of times, reached out and co-regulated. It's like, you know, grabbing on, you know, grabbing onto a rock just to make sure that I'm not going to float away to outer space, you know. So that 
that's like a really important part and I'm getting better at like figuring out ways to show up for myself and to regulate myself when I struggle so yeah, yeah. cool um I know that we were talking um we've had many conversations about like um sexuality just being about like friction sometimes like it it being there to just like satisfy that urge and mm -hmm. be really tempting to chase the um just to chase sex like sexual encounters like oh i'm horny and therefore i must do xyz and i i think Lately, there's also this thing in society, like the sexual revolution for women that kind of, to me, it's like the same thing as how we're sold uh, beef on a regular basis or protein, like you need protein. And it's like women need their, um, their, their steady diet of, uh, of meat stick, you know, and it's like vitamin D, it's like super important, you know, and it's like the whole sex in the city era. Okay. It's really, I just think it's interesting because I think what used to be, um, or, or something that was like, like I need your input on this because it's like sexual empowerment for men. You know, like there's something in the conquest, right? About you know, like being there, like what we were talking about a little earlier, like like X marks the spot, like you're you're in the spot, you're having sex, and it can feel powerful and like winning, right? Sure. Like the element of like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm winning. Like I'm a man and yeah, I'm girl, right? Absolutely. And I, and I think this um, like women's sexual revolution is also like women are, have kind of adopted this like, yeah, like I get to have sex too. And now I'm going to go out and, and just like I take my supplements or just like I have protein in my diet, I'm going to have sex, like whenever I want to have it, you know? And that, that's also like a form of winning and maybe also a way that we've convinced ourselves is like synonymous with sexual health is to be sexually expressive and doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And I think that, again, it's, it's kind of like um, the advertising is really good around it. You're empowered. You're an emp empowered woman. Right. And you're... You get to decide just like anybody. And you get to decide like any man when it's time for you to have yeah. sex, right? And right. there's no moral shame around it. Right, which I think in a lot of ways is really good. Yes. And then, you know, and then there's the, the popularity of like polyamory and open relationships and all these different things. Like there's an entire sexual revolution. And even inside of that, it's like decidedly emotionally empty. Right. And I think what will continue to happen is people will start, well, hopefully, hopefully um, people will discover that what they're really wanting is something more meaningful that's, about emotional intimacy and connection that's beyond just like friction and orgasm and like cream pies, you know, which is just like, you know, like the, the, the fascination with like, you know, I watched Jackass <laughs> with my mother 
uh, anyway, it was a whole thing. She wouldn't decide on the movie. I took charge and I regretted it, but I wanted to sort of teach her a lesson. And I taught myself a lesson. But that movie had so much come in it, mm. like even from the beginning. And it's just interesting how our society, like, you know, I guess our society, and maybe this comes from. I don't even know. There's just, there's like a lot of intersecting points like happening in my brain right now, but there's almost like this, um, the goal of orgasm and coming is like such a thing. And yet what happens after that? Like what happens after that's achieved? And then like, what happens to your energy because of that? Right. You know, is it generative? Are you actually connecting? Or are you suddenly alone in the presence no. of another person? And is your energy depleted because you actually expended your energy towards some end goal and, and you actually wound up empty? You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, I thought about the the very animal nature of it, you know, like the there is like some aggressive animal nature of like, you know, and then X marks the spot, right? Like, you know, there's like there is some power in there. Physical real I'm there. Right. It's just like, you know, it's like, oh yeah. Oh I'm the man, you know. But I think too about when I discovered was shown, thankfully, my own emotional ocean, right? Okay. So I had gone through my life, had plenty of sexual encounters, right? Not starved in that that avenue at all. And <clears throat> very like friction and physical based, you know, and, and felt a lot of that power. But two, there's like, okay, well, but it didn't fix anything, you know, it didn't like, it didn't really necessarily move the needle. And then when I practice it with somebody, it's like, you see what happens, there's actually a collapse there. So there's not... um it's not generating strength, right? It was it was kind of like depleting me over time, and then I was left with what's left over, and that's all the things that I hadn't dealt with at all, you know. Can you talk about that more? Because I am so curious to hear about it from your perspective, like talking about having sex but then being depleted by it. Yeah, well, in the collapse, so you come right. And it's just a collapse, right? And then the thing that runs in, runs into its place, is all sorts of, uh, like, emotions and, like, worries and things, you know? It is just, like, so you fill the space, you fill your body, and you're, like, you know, you're He-Man, you know? Especially if you're, like, feeling good and you have a lot of good energy, you're just, like, you know, ha-ha, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Doing your thing or whatever the fuck it is, you know? And then once you come, it's just, like, a precipitous drop of energy right and then yeah what's left over what's left over is a type of nakedness right like ultimate vulnerability where it is very vulnerable but it does it, it it you know there's plenty of times when it is not connected though because like you haven't done the work of actually doing the connecting right uh there was like maybe a maybe sometimes and i won't say that like across the board like it wasn't connected you know but there's definitely been times when like you haven't done the connective work you sort of like, you know, do do all your hokey pokey and then you turn yourself around. And, and then I've had instances where I essentially led myself directly into a panic attack. Right. It was just like the the physical bubble, like of strength that I had inside me. I let that go and then, bam, I, 
I so collapsed. Post coitus panic. That's attack. right. Like full panic attack. Mm. Uh, and what does that look like? Are you in bed kind of lying there like? Yeah, I'm lying there like fucking rigor mortis. And, you know, like my what I wanted to do at the moment was get my shit and fucking sprint out of there. Right. But I'm right. not like a total fucking asshole, you know, so I actually used my words. and I was like, I'm actually having a moment, you know. It's not good for the other person in bed. It's not. It's not. It's not a fun time, you know, to feel like the, you know, <laughs> it's. It wasn't very cool, but uh, yeah, it, it did sort of happen. But what I think about is instead of, uh, you know, this is. And you, you said this. You said something about this earlier, which is like you're doing these things and hope to get these things, but you're not getting those things. I don't know. This is part of the addiction addictive process. It's like, well, it. It's part of the addiction process, but I think it's also something that everybody does or there's like a trap that like I think almost everyone falls into, which is being attached to something as a means to getting what we want. So we think that this thing that we want is going to get us like these feelings. Right. And it's chasing after in this situation, it would be like sex or relationship or love right. or that connection chasing after that. And when I achieve that, then I, the reason why I want this is because I want to feel all these things, Right. but really we're getting our means goal confused with like our end goal. And the end goal really has so much more to do with the emotions we want to feel and like right. the satisfaction and just right. deeper. Meaning. Right. Okay. So, being divorced from what the end goals are, what what I actually wanted, you know, it's just like, okay, what's a more powerful thing than sex on planet Earth? I don't know. Not not very many, right? Some would argue, and I think I would argue, maybe one of the most powerful things. So it's like, well, I'm doing the most powerful thing, you know? It's like, I, I'm right here, you know? I'm doing it. And so it's it's a strange it's a strange situation to be in. It's like, well, I'm human. I'm alive. I'm a real boy, you know, like a... That just I'm happened. A real boy. I'm a real boy. <laughs> like that just happened, but like what you know, like, but there's still, you know, and I, it was hard. It was definitely hard for a large part of my life to be able to like put my thumb on that thing that it is, right? But now that I found the ocean of shit in my backyard, it's like, oh, maybe the ocean has something to do with it, you know? It's like, and that it does, right? So, okay, so so maybe we've sold women or everybody now. It's like, you know, you, know, you can be human. You can just decide whenever you want to have sex, you know. But are we all doing that to some extent? Like what we actually want, what our actual compersion is, what the deep thing that we want is connection and is to be seen, right? Mm -hmm. And, well, one of the, you know, pseudo ways that we can be seen is to take our clothes off and fiddle with our bits, you know, and just, you know, rub them together. And it's like, oh, that feels pretty good, you know. I mean, that is a thing that you can do, which I think everybody does to a certain extent, right? Yeah. But to be exposed, to be exposed, to like hold yourself, like uh, when I began to feel my emotional stuff, it was under high pressure, you know? It still is under high pressure, you know? There's still a ton of shit in there, you know? Uh 
I think that it's a it, I think that it's a liminal space, but I I'm curious to like go exploring there, right? Go exploring into like what sexuality in connection actually looks like, right? So it's not we're just gonna rub our bits together and you know hit these little peaks and then call it a day, right? Right. It's too. I don't you know and I. I I'm sure there there is some sort of melding there too about like you know you're going to embody inside your body, sort of like be naked in a way, but try to um, try to feel deeply back and forth into each other, right? To like be felt, to be feeling, you know, and try to uh, explore and, and expose deep parts of your heart in into something, right? And how deep does that rabbit hole go, right? Like how deep can you how deeply can you be seen? Like, how deeply can you feel into somebody, right? That's where I think that, you know, it gets a little bit more juicy, you know? Or, like, how deeply can you let yourself be seen? Right. Like, not only in your nakedness, but your emotional vulnerability. Right. Because it's about um, presence and removing the goal of performance and removing the goal of like yeah coming orgasm. yeah coming just being the thing and it's like can connection actually be the like the new goal like connection and like deepening right and just uh, uh generating like energy generating and exchanging like energy together right like how 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 deeply can that dance go you know Right. And does it even have to involve like penetration? Does it have to involve right. everything that you see in porn? Like, do you have to reenact like the Eiffel Tower yeah. and uh, whatever else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and do, whatever else there is. Do I like, need DVDA? Do I need two dicks in my ass to like meet God? You know, it's like, oh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, sure. Like that might be part of the human experience is like, right. maybe that's what, you know, maybe that's on your path. Like that is part of your journey. Like right. you embodied, you came here to experience. <laughs> maybe, um, but I think, uh, I don't know. I think about, I think about, <laughs> it's tough to get close to people, you know, because like, as you open up, as you get closer, uh, over and over like you'll find little like oh oh that's like oh gosh that's tough you know and uh i don't know i i saw that in relationships like a long time ago where you, where you see somebody and you're like oh okay you guys are in a long-term relationship okay you're flying parallel now you just have you've like set up your flight pattern and then it's just parallel parallel like i guess forever or, or until the, the parallel gets too toxic and it finally breaks down you know mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so in, like, my mind, I think about, like, commitments to that. It's like, okay, we're going to be actually committed to, because uh, <laughs> it's tough because it goes both ways. Like, trying to be sensitive to who you are, right? Like, trying to listen and to feel for the, for the person you're with. Because I think it's pretty easy. You could shut down all things, you know, and not be curious and not be sort of leaning in and get in your own lane and be like, well, I'm comfortable here. And like, and then somebody else maybe shows you a piece of themselves and you're, and you're just like, you know, get the, get the fuck out of here, you know? And, yeah. that, and so that doorway to openness, I think is, 
it's hard to like man that and to like be in this uh, place of like always trying to like lean in a little bit more, you know. I mean, I, I think it, I think it's a tall order, but you know, it's I've 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 been in relationships and I've like sort of see people who like uh, you know about the parallel. They just get so far and then that's it, right? That that's all that there is. And I think that maybe for a lot of people that is all. That, that's all that they imagine even exists on planet Earth, right? Before I was introduced to my emotional body, like I had a, a, a vision of what existed on planet Earth, and I thought that I was like, you know, you know, I've done all the drugs, I've been all the two all dimensions. I thought I knew everything essentially, you know, not everything, but like everything about myself, you know. But then to find this other completely dynamic source of energy and uh, love that like changes the inside of how your insides work and actually like makes your heart work you know it's like oh my god like being human is like fucking wild you know yeah. uh, i don't know it, it just feels hidden you know it feels hidden and it feels uh like it's touchy it's hard to like look in that direction you know and to feel into that yeah actually you're right. It is, it is like a hidden dimension, especially in society and culture, because there's so many restrictions and red tape around which emotions are acceptable and which aren't and like how we operate not only out in the world, but like within our families. And so there's, there's so much like prescriptive ideas that are just like this is how you do things like this is how you show up in the world like and a lot of it's not even spoken these are just like these are yeah, like inferences on what's what's allowed right because there's not a whole lot of um consciousness or awareness around those topics hence addiction and like the opioid crisis and all these different um crises that we have going on like the suicide rate like all of these are indicative of complete disconnection, isolation from our own emotional selves. And, and that keeps us from being able to connect with other people. And so we can be completely alone being married, you know, and feeling unseen and unloved and not having any of our needs met. And, and we have a pandemic of loneliness. Mm -hmm. I was... <laughs> I had this daydream. It might have been today. It might have been yesterday. I'm not sure. But I was thinking, like, how do people, like, get a better sense of the dimension, dimensionality of emotions? And this is what I thought about. I thought about dogs, right? So dogs have some emotion to them, for sure, right? There is there is an emotional layer to them. And you excitement. can pick... What's that? I said a lot of it's excitement. Yeah. No, I mean, like, and it's, it, like, it's maybe not as dynamic of a palette, like, you know... Like I am, like you know those like uh, you walk into the house and something destroyed and all the dogs are sitting there with that like what was me like look on their face you know it's like shame or whatever it is so like that that's a flavor you know and it's usually pretty cute but it's like yo you fucker you destroyed the couch you know because you're they're reacting to your emotions so it's like that right so I was thinking about like okay what if we could get people to kind of turn off their brains so you can't talk. Now, you can say a few words to yourself and to other people, but they're going to be like just descriptors about how you feel like, you know, like, I'm sad or like, I feel shame, you know, but you couldn't really talk. And then you would just kind of be like a dog walking around, you know, but 
you would have the emo all of your human emotions there, you know. I don't know how <laughs> this actually works, you know. But it's like I'm gonna walk around and be be like a dog. I don't have I don't have language because I think language when we start to use our words just takes us up into our head, and then we're just abstracting everything, which just is you know just this, this crystal castle of thoughts that is not your emotional body and your feeling body, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, like I can imagine being in front of someone naked. Uh, not thinking, but just feeling and being in my body and about how vulnerable that is and uh, like those types of feelings that happen, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I was just trying to like imagine different ways because I think everybody knows what it is because everybody has a relationship with it. But to, but to become like more aware of like, like what, what are feelings and like how do I like need to tend to mine, right? Because I think... When you say everyone knows what it is what is it okay what what an emotion is right like so people feel oh, what yeah. like sadness is right people know what like elation is and like the physical feeling in their body of what energy is currently possessing them like right now like i'm like see i'm like stood up a little bit i'm like you know talking loud and fast you know like i'm excited right this is excitement in my body this these are these are the emotion emotions of feeling good now i'm like engaging my brain and engaging my my body but i think about so like you know five or six years ago when i think mostly what i was feeling is just a disconnection or you know um disassociation like that gets really fucking tough because if you've done that for a long time it's like what am i feeling and it's like well, i don't I mean i don't know it's like i can feel it when like somebody hits my foot with a hammer aren't i feeling isn't that everything and it's just like it's like trying to find a way into your feelings by analyzing it only intellectually right and it's like floating above the sensation and not actually being right with it right so i think i mean i don't i don't know how to like armchair like a number on this but i think that that happens a lot that people aren't actually in their bodies to feel the sensations and get the messages from the moment about what is actually happening, you know, uh, that they're just kind of, uh, you know, putting, putting the bubble wrap around themselves, you know, it's just like, well, if I don't do that and I don't do this and don't do that, you know, then life will be, you know, like manageable anyway, you know. I can personally attest to living an entire portion of my life where I looked back and felt like I was sleepwalking. Right. Yes. Because yes. I did not know that I was not feeling my emotions because I was in fact emotional, mm. which is like kind of hard to explain, but that's tricky, but this is one of the tricky things. That's what I'm saying. This shit is tricky. It is very tricky and it's like subtle. Because I was, uh, I got married when I was 20. And I used to say to him, because I was kind of, you know, I was kind of stabbing him a little. I would like shank him a little and I would call him an emotional robot because I felt like he was not responding to or attuned to my emotions. Neither was I, spoiler <laughs> But I could like feel everything. I just didn't know what to do with it. And so like every like three or four months, 
I would have like an emotional meltdown where I would just be crying. I was like hyperventilating. There was, it was full of like desire and needing and pleading and like a pulling energy. And like, one of the ways I describe this is like a silent scream. It's like, there's no way of getting it feels like I'm feeling, but there's no way to get anyone to respond to what I'm needing. And there's no way to explain that. And even if right. that person wanted to listen or respond, they just couldn't. Yeah. So it was just this awful feeling. And I didn't even know like what it was that I was experiencing. But he would sit there as I'm having this emotional meltdown thing. And I don't even think he wasn't like holding me. I was like, it's okay, babe. It's okay. It was, it was more like he would sit there like dissociated from what was happening, like observing it almost analytically, like, okay. And then like at the end he would sort of be like, there was an energy. I don't even know if he said this, but I feel like he said this or something like this, like, Oh, good. I'm glad this is over now. You know, like I'm, I'm glad, like not, you know, exactly that. But like, oh, good. Now that this is out of the way, we can get on with our lives. Right. And I think for a lot of people, it's like this is a familiar situation. Yes. Yes. This emotions here, these pesky, negative, unwanted, un, you know, whatever. I felt ununderstand, uncontextualized, just like free right. floating. So then they're here and it's like they're happening and it's like, the way that we interact with them is like somewhat messy or somewhat not attuned, like not gentle, not they're, they're annoying. Like, why are they here? And why are they oh, it's, right. uh, like shit, but like, wow, won't this just go away? I don't want to feel this anymore. Like what a thorn in my side, a pain in my ass. And then once that wave it's gone, it's like, Oh good. Now I can like get on with my life. And it's like, if our feelings, they're like children, it's like, oh shit, like how, like if we were treated like that and likely we were, that's heartbreaking. But the fact that we continue to do this to ourselves and each other, oh, thank goodness, like they're not feeling this way anymore. Thank goodness I'm not feeling this way anymore. And now I can get on to the good things and whatever. And it's like every single emotion is like informing us as a messenger of something really important. And it's not necessarily about getting over it or thank goodness I'm done with it. But I understand like why people might feel that way. And I've, I've felt that way myself too. Like, Oh, thank God, you know, not feeling all that negative stuff. Cause it is hard. It is really hard to be present and accepting and not rejecting of that negative emotion because of all the associations that we have with it. Um, but it's like, if we encounter ourselves that way, and if we, if that's how we relate to ourselves, then it makes sense why addiction is so prevalent. Right. Because it's consistent self-abandonment and self-rejection. Mm -hmm. And then shame around feeling those feelings, which mm -hmm. is that, I'm not worthy of connection. I don't belong. I'm alone. And there is something wrong with me. I am bad. I'm flawed, mm -hmm. which is so diametrically opposed to who we really are, which is like 
always connected, always accepted, always a part of the, the whole, having a purpose and a place in this, this grand scheme of life. And when those parts are held in that rejected state, uh, the energetic cost to you, right, are things like addiction, right? Uh, if somehow we can come into relationship with, with those types of feelings and reclaim them and bring them back into our hearts and into our souls, those parts can become like precious, precious gifts of our own being to ourselves, right? And then that energy which, you know, led you into a compulsion for like some kind of strong addiction can come into you and think about that. Just think about that in terms of raw energy that you could have integrated back into your own soul if you could find a way, right? It's yeah. like, well, it it's strong enough and they're big enough and they're important enough to make you do this super compulsed thing, right? I think if you could turn that around and bring these pieces back to yourself about what you get back in, in terms of like self, you know? Yeah. I just and, think that... and also you're, you're not expending all this energy by rejecting those emotions or spending that energy on resistance where you're holding the beach ball under the water. Right. Like there's a whole lot of energy that you're freeing up just in acceptance. So think about Mark Ruffalo, uh, sex addict like wrapped in bubble wrap his whole life is essentially managing this right mm -hmm. so think about that he has all that inside of him and he has all of that energy and all of that life force to be whatever he is right mm -hmm. it's i think that he it's like uh you get to be whatever you want to be then i think you know or what you know it, it, it ends up looking a little different i mean that's idealistic shit, you know, but it's, I think that it's just like a, to me, it's just like a, a vision of possibilities, you know? Yeah. And this addiction, it wouldn't be larger than he was. He would be larger than it. Right. And it would be a part of his natural inclination to cope when he started to feel powerless. And um, it wouldn't be a disease that identified him, but it, it could be um, something that perhaps he identifies with, like in a, in a moment or two or many before he learns to separate his identification from it so that he can actually look at it with love and hold mm -hmm. it. Mm hmm as opposed to being a victim of it and then having that whole thing run his life because he's trying to avoid it. Right. Right. And I don't know. I think that if anybody could do that, that could be super f powerful and changing in their life, you know? Yeah. 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 And, but, and that's like, that's, that's kind of the deal that we're all doing like every day and you know again and again like on rinse and repeat it's moving up and down the emotional ladder and allowing that to be a natural part of the human condition without resisting or bracing as much as we can right. to find acceptance in that and release the shame and how we do that is through normalizing on these mm -hmm. things and just having the conversations right like I mentioned uh, 
over the last weekend, I had a pretty bad shame spiral that did get on top of me. And I did an okay job of showing up for myself and being compassionate with myself. And there was a lot of different, really intense, hardcore emotions that had to come up and come through. And it was pretty rough. Um, but the on the on the backside of it, though, it was it was just it was also interesting to feel how settled and almost uh, I don't know that it just felt okay that that was okay that that happened. You know, mm -hmm. it was just uh, I mean I'm hopeful that it is like a deepening of the process. You know, uh, you know that. Yeah, like, I was a little mad at my emotional children, like, for, you know, I dealt with some of that, like, things show up, and being pissed that they showed up, you know, and then feeling out of control, you know, I, I, all that stuff was there, too, uh, but then there was also, you know, other parts that were, like, protective, and showed up for me, and let me know that I wasn't, like, a, a total bag of flaming shit, you know. Um, and that, that I have resources and that I have people and that I have a good life and that like, I have, I have a lot of fantastic things going for me. So I don't know. It was just, I just mentioned that to say that, like you said, like it's, it is an everyday thing that we all have to do. And, and that, uh, and that I agree with that and that like, you know, that shit happens, you know, it's like sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes you eat the bar and sometimes the bar eats you, you know? I think it's hard to, it, it can be hard to trust that there is like a bottom to some of these emotions that you can actually fully feel them because when we've been, when we've had certain practices or behaviors that have been habituated throughout our lives and in that means that we have not been emotionally feeling things for decades that when we become present to all that emotional energy that's there, it's big, it's big and it can feel like a lot and it can feel like I'm going to feel this forever, like right. always and forever. And it's like, if you pay really close attention, you can see that it isn't solely traveling to the bottom of a very deep ocean, but that it's traveling to these depths and then coming out and experiencing different forms of frozen or stuck or depressed energy and then uh, feelings of rage and um, anxiety, things like that. And then also elation and connection and warmth. And then it can kind of be like a oh, yeah. crazy roller coaster. Yeah, roller coaster, right. Yeah. But I think one of the most important things is starting to establish that sense of trust within ourselves that we won't abandon or reject ourselves for feeling those feelings and just doing our best to stay present mm -hmm. um, and, and deciding that we will love ourselves no matter how we feel and that we, we still want us as we are. Mm. Like I still want to be with you even though you're not happy right now, even though you're not performing and entertaining, I still love you. Even when you're depressed, I still want you. Mm -hmm. You belong to me. 
even now when you're at your lowest mm -hmm. when you're at your happiest like i'm here always for all of it i'm here and you're mine you're mine your mess is mine i like it yeah. sound good to you yeah let's see here don't know Can we say something to wrap up yeah like, okay i'm nick carl this is angela wetzel and um comment if you leave a comment we'll read and maybe we can talk about these things we just sort of riff that's how we do it right mm -hmm. check us out on the socials right mm -hmm. epic initiator on instagram and i am gnarl kick n-a-r-l-k-i-c-k on instagram that's me and that'll be down in the social uh, in the the doobly do down below okay. what do you think and, about that and thanks for listening and yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening reviewing is good too viewings viewing's excellent that helps other people find it if you like it then they're like oh other oh, yeah. people might yeah. like i mean it. people know how to do this shit. they know what to do yeah, but then they forget, and then when you remind them, then they're like, oh. Okay. Okay, yeah, well, we would appreciate that then, if you shared, <laughs> shared our stuff, and if you liked it, if it did the thing, it, it helps us, right? Help us, help you, help us. Yeah. Other people. Yeah. Yeah. All right, righteous. Angela, thanks for hanging out today. Hey, you're welcome. We'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. So emotional. Out.